Six nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Hi, it's Alfie here, the presenter of The Ruck. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to tell you about Funding Circle. Funding Circle backs small and medium UK businesses with simple, competitive business finance. They've supported over 90,000 British businesses with £12 billion in finance since 2010. So if you're looking to overcome challenges or push your business forward, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. And for that reason, they've teamed up with Saracens and England hooker Jamie George. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Hello team and welcome to The Ruck, your weekly podcast from The Times and Sunday Times. I'm Alex Lowe and I'm in the captain's chair this week, joining me in the Dan Bigger role, flapping their arms and complaining wildly for the next half hour or so, are Stephen Jones, Stuart Barnes and Nigel Botherway. It's now considered an unusual week in rugby if there's not a big story brewing, and this is no unusual week. So in my audition for the new Times Radio, here are the headlines. One year after declaring that the Six Nations and free-to-wear television was a perfect fit, championship officials are now open to the idea of selling the rights to a pay TV provider. Six Nations officials will hold an emergency meeting in Paris today as coronavirus threatens to halt their championship. Ireland v Italy is already off and other games are in doubt. World Rugby is examining the ruck, not this podcast, at its Laws and Injury Forum in Paris this week with a view to proposing some law trials. Chris Ashton is leaving sales charts with immediate effect and in mysterious circumstances. And finally, the curious case of England's scrum half selections took another twist today when Jack Maunder was added to the training squad for Saturday's game against Wales. The Exeter backup scrum half has not been involved since the Argentina tour of 2017 when he made his debut with a two-minute appearance off the bench. And those, ladies and gentlemen, are your headlines. Alex, you say you're captain, but we all see that as a purely ceremonial role, don't we, Banzi? Of course. Symbolism. Yeah, it just, just doesn't, doesn't really mean anything, is it? Okay. Less than nothing. No, exactly, yeah, OK. So Go on in, captain. There's loads, loads, loads <laughs> to get into. Let's start with the story that, that emerged over the weekend about the Six Nations potentially moving away from terrestrial television uh, and behind a, a paywall the story mentioned sky but i think it, i think that the general point is that the money on offer from subscription tv is proving too much for the six nations officials to, to turn down having originally declared that that the eyeballs they get on terrestrial tv are the most important what do we think 
Well, we think there's the usual sort of uh, administrative hypocrisy. We know that. We also know that money does talk. I've always tried to avoid getting in the know on this uh, because my involvement with Sky for 25 years. Uh, I saw the headline uh, yesterday. I made one or two inquiries uh, and to reiterate what you would say, I wouldn't say that Sky have got the deal. They might have it. I would say that the terrestrial television companies will be concerned at the change in tone and I think that the likes of BT and Sky and who knows who else as well, who knows who else, will be pleased of this change. And I think that that's the key part at the moment. I, I don't think it's a matter of ITV, BBC have lost it, Sky have got it. I, I think, as you said, it's it's about this sea change. So Bill Sweeney, the RFU chief executive, who's been in post for a year or so, has referred himself to the, to the story of cricket in this country and, and he referred to the Cricket World Cup and how hard they found it to get people to watch that tournament because it was on... It was on Sky. Ben Morrell, the chief executive of the Six Nations, a year ago said that the BBC ITV deal was extremely valuable to the championship. CVC have come in and now everything seems to be changing. The language is changing and and, and they're interested in, in streaming platforms. And, and so, that, as Barnsley says, it's not just Sky. It's Amazon or, or Netflix or whoever. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new it's world a new of broadcast. What's a streaming platform? I think I think the trouble is, Alex, is one, where's the money going to go? Everybody talks about grassroots. Grassroots, yeah. you need people seeing the game on their television, inspiring young boys and girls to pick up a rugby ball in the first place, and you want it to be accessible to them and don't have to pay for it. You know, that's, that's the grassroots level of it. You know, when the extra money coming in, people are going to want returns on that, and I don't think it'll go to the right places. Jonesy and Nigel, you're both involved in, in, in grassroots clubs. The Six Nations have held up their championship as the window into rugby for for so many people. I think 10 million people would have watched uh, would watch a Six Nations game at its peak. Um, I looked it up and, and the England-New Zealand game in November 2018, which had been five years in the waiting, peaked at 1.5 million. You're cutting massively the number of people who, can, who will are. watch these games. How do you feel from working with, with kids at, at grassroots clubs. What inspiration do they take from watching uh, Six Nations game? A lot. Just go back to 2003, uh, Alex, when uh, England won the World Cup. It was on ITV, it was obviously on Terrestrial. Almost every club in the country uh, had to take on extra coaches in a panic mode. You know, we had to. We were getting sort of 10 or 15 or 20 people per age group coming down to play. That just, that just shows the, the impact and the more people who see it, the better. But this is one of those things where we could, we could argue here for four and a half hours and you never get to the end because mm. rugby's got such financial problems. And by that, mean, it means it's got genuine financial problems. People are not making money. But secondly, it is paying for, it's trying to pay its way by match after match after match after match. Now, if anything came through that would stop this reliance or the, 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 the imperative for playing 15 internationals a year, or whatever, it would be good. Maybe, you know, the coffers are now filled. We only have to have two autumn internationals. We have to stop crucifying players on the altar of, of money. It would be brilliant. But then there is a massive price to pay which which is which is the audience figures it is a problem and it is one that there is no solution to sadly there is no right way and no wrong way very briefly on the audience figures and i'm not advancing my position either way here 
But when you say one and a half million watch England versus New Zealand, you have to understand it's a strange system when they come to it because when Sky started, a dish basically represents a viewer. So that one and a half million figure, and I don't understand why the satellite companies haven't haven't tried to educate viewers and, and, and the population. But if you're in a pub and there's 30 people watching mm. it, that registers as one person. So I came back from the 2007 Lions tour, and I was reading in the papers, uh, was it 2000? No, 1997, when England won in, uh, the Lions won in South Africa. And I was reading how nobody had seen the series. And everywhere I went, people said, wow, that's a brilliant series, oh, fantastic. I was getting up for that game, and I was going to pubs. So I'm not suggesting that, Mm. Uh, satellite figures or anything like terrestrial, but I am suggesting that well, if you want to have a, a fair debate about it, they're a lot bigger than the ones you okay, will see trotted out. Stuart, would you, would, would you agree, like, I, I respect your view, of course, but would you say that we are still talking here about big audience v small audience? Yes. Uh, and and the other thing is, you know, it, it's 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 paid audience and unpaid audience, so it's a very, very tough one. I don't know what, what you think. I mean, you co- you're coaching a girls' team at the moment, a Tunisians. I mean, do, do, do you sense that they watch the game on... on I mean, we, look, we all watch the game wherever it's on. If it was on a Bulgarian TV, we'd subscribe to it. But would everyone do that? No, they wouldn't. And just one little snapshot. You know, one of my friends, his son, watched the Rugby World Cup. He's only four years old. He was watching the Rugby World Cup on terrestrial TV. Wouldn't have seen it otherwise. Watching it... He begged his dad to get him a rugby ball. He's now down at Staines Rugby Club playing mini rugby, inspired by that. It wouldn't have happened, if it, A, if it had been on pay-per-view, but also the other thing that we haven't mentioned, you know is going to happen once people start paying out this money, they're going to get the more changes of kickoff times, aren't they? Playing Sunday games, 8 o'clock kickoffs. when, again, a four-year-old's not going to be watching. Which we are already seeing in England announced. Exactly. End of last week, Probably, the, the yeah. November... International fixtures and they're playing Argentina at 8pm on a Saturday night mm. and that's purely because they've got together with the other Six Nations unions and staggered the kickoff times for, for television reasons. Which is crazy because who necessarily, how many people want to watch all three games? You know, if one's on one channel, one's on the other at the same time, you record or you watch the one you want to watch. You but, know. But, but also 8 o'clock kickoff at Twickenham, I'm sorry, that is a horrendous constriction of the audience to, to inside the M25. You cannot get your your, your, no. your sons and daughters home after that. It's, it's pathetic. And what it does for Sunday newspaper deadlines, of course, is even worse. <laughs> but can I just say this? We're giving Sky, not Sky, we're giving the principal of satellite a bit stickier. Uh, we, we, we can say this now because Mr. Murdoch no longer owns, but Sky revolutionised the way that rugby is done. Uh, totally, and kicked the backsides of ITV, BT, BBC. It kicked their backsides. And, Agreed. And we should never... People like Martin Turner, Miles, and his co-commentator... So I can't remember his name now, the other bloke. Um, <laughs> they, they just did wonders for rugby. Let's put that on the, uh, on, the, on, the, on the agenda just for now. There was also the contrarian point, which my wife makes, which is she can't stand sport. And as she says, at the moment, of course, we have a licence fee. She's paying for sport and she's saying, why the hell am I having to pay a licence fee that goes towards Six Nations, towards Wimbledon, towards football of any sort? Not everyone loves sport. In Paris this week, those Six Nations officials who will be making that decision on where we can all watch the games in years to come will be having to decide whether this year's championship will finish at all. We've got... Ireland v Italy is, is off 
this weekend. Huge doubts now over whether Italy, England on the on the final weekend can can go ahead. Whether France, Ireland on the final weekend can go ahead. And as as Owen Slot pointed out in in the Times last week, the, the huge issue of of the the rugby calendar now is so packed that if you have to postpone a Six Nations game, when on earth do you replay it? I don't think you can. I think with the with the calendar, you can. I, I'm. They're going to make the decision today, but it's incredible to think that if Ireland can't... I'm normally an optimist. I'm, my attitude in life is everything's going to be OK. Mm. But if Italy can't play Ireland in Dublin, then I don't see how England can play in Rome. No, I, no, I don't think they can. But I'll tell you something, nice. I bet you any money they, re- they rearrange it. They, they just want the money. They don't want to give the seats back. Yeah. And if they have it at 4am on, th- on a Thursday afternoon... In somewhere they will play it. Don't don't you worry about that. They, they they don't give a monkeys about the they don't they don't give a monkeys about player welfare. Let's be fair, they do not. Or the no, travelling or the travelling fans or the travelling fans who should who should have been put out their misery by now and know one way or the exactly. other. Yeah. You know, those 000. games are going ahead. I think for me that having spoken to the RFU a bit last week, the difficulty is that it shouldn't be down to the RFU no. to decide no. whether England go or not. No. It has to be a decision made by. Authorities much higher up than than Twickenham. Um, you know, the Italian government need to need to get involved and make a decision whether that game is on. And and so England are left sitting and waiting to see what what happens. You know, from our point of view here, you know, the politicians are saying, and for once I'll agree with them. They're waiting to see what the chief medical officer says. Yeah. And, you know, you need the experts in on this. But <coughs> you know, with, with the Ireland game against Italy being off and Italy being the team travelling to Ireland, logic suggests that there's no way. Italy can play England. Don't agree. Apparently, there's twenty thousand English fans who booked yeah. for it. So, yeah, yeah. poor, poor so, devils. So then you're looking Still at a good if, weekend. Oh, great weekend! If yeah. you want to rearrange those fixtures, the first weekend where there are no clashes with any with any club games, domestic or, or European, is the weekend after the Premiership and Pro 14 finals, which is also the weekend when England are due to fly to Japan, and Ireland are due to, to fly down under. So. Then you're looking because uh, they've got two tests. I think it's Australia, Italy. have got three tests on a, on America's tour. So you're looking at the end of July, the start of August, before you could rearrange these games. If you were to do it at the end of this season rather than the start of next, be criminal to play them. Then I will be there uh, for the, the first week of August. I will be there, providing they play at the 10B Rugby Club. <laughs> we await decisions on on the because as Barnsley, as you say, it's it, they can't decide when to rearrange a game until the Irish um, health authorities are happy for their, for, for, yeah. to welcome the Italians into the country. And so we, it, it's we like to bag rugby and it, the people who run the game, but at the moment I think we're waiting on somebody, something else. So that's Monday's meeting in Paris is coronavirus. Tuesday and Wednesday, the second World Rugby Symposium on injuries uh, and law trials. And, and I was there a year ago where the, the meeting concluded with, with a package of new law trials which included this, the 50-22 kick, tackling below waist height, which is being trialled in, in, in France, and one or two other measures. The focus this time is on the breakdown. So a year ago, they, they prioritised the tackle, um, and we kept, we had that, that new high tackle um, directive, which was in place for the World Cup. And World Rugby argued that was because that's where the majority of injuries occur. Now they're looking at the breakdown, and, and there were clips from the England-Ireland game of well, there's one breakdown four minutes in with three offences in the space of, of 10 seconds, all of which could have ended in, in a serious injury to somebody. What needs to change at the breakdown? Is it new laws? Is it just enforcing existing laws? I was just going to say, I raised it last time I was on the right. I still think you need to look at the jackling. 
I think it's very dangerous for the jackler. You are allowed to do what's termed as a crocodile roll, which puts knees and ankles at serious risk. You are allowed. I mean, you should have to bind on somebody as you join a ruck, but there's nothing to stop someone at the moment. Just come charging in and smashing that person who's Mm. in a very vulnerable position. We know shoulders should be higher than hips. If you're anchoring, supporting the ball carrier, you can be like that. But when you're jackling, the back of your neck's exposed, the top of your head. And also, when you're jackling, if you steal the ball straight away, fine. But when you're clamped on... Who wants to see that? Because it only ends in a penalty. Either you win the penalty or the other team win the penalty. It's not satisfactory to the crowd. I think you've got to look at changing the jackal. I sympathise with the referees. You have to have empathy at the breakdown because the breakdown, if you look at it, there's probably two or three offences of a minor sort every time. And so a lot of referees are thinking, if I'm pinging the breakdown all the time, I'm killing the game. And it's just a case of tinnitus. And, And they're right. But... As Nigel made the point, there are certain laws that have stopped being refereeing. This whole yeah. thing about binding. You either bind with the shirt of a, your own player, which takes the momentum out of your drive, and it takes your ability to go low, or you bind on the bloke you're going to s- smack, which stops you going in with, as commentators, I hate this phrase, they talk about the big hit and shots. There's no such thing as a hit and a shot. They're illegal. So referees actually are failing dismally on this because they've not been able to understand the difference between allowing a game to flow and ensuring that it's not dangerous. The other thing is the jackal. You should not, quite simply, be able to put your hands on the ground. Now, current players and current referees don't understand it. They think, some of the most famous back rowers in the world thinks you'll have no contest if that happens. Mm. But you will, because people will drive. I, I see teams doing it now. I saw Harlequin's game. It happened you get back to what Steve and I would remember, and Nigel, as rucking. Now, you can't do it overnight, but I think that from the age of about 10 now, any kid playing the game, boy or girl, should not be allowed to put their hands on the floor on the breakdown. By the time they get up to the age of 18, we'll be in a position when people understand what it is, so it's not chaos. I coach my players to do it, Stuart, and it works really well, because I always say to say to myself... So keep the hands off, Nigel. If you try to jackal, there's three likely outcomes... You get pinged, you get creamed, or you win the ball. And if you ask any player which is the least likely of those three, it's win the ball. So we just ruck over. Either let them have it or ruck over. Never give them easy ball, but you ruck over like we used to do, and it works. You ruck over, and if the first person goes over and you're winning it, the rest go over, you get a turnover. Uh, Alex, first of all, as Stuart says, the the law experiment they should try is applying the laws as they stand (laughs) at the moment in terms of, you know, forward pass, in terms of... um, (laughs) Oh, well, no, seriously, all sorts of things. Rear feet offside, you you might actually start applying those. Secondly, actually, just as a point of interest, that the 50-20... 5022 law which has been trialed the trials i understand have been wonderfully successful and that is almost certain to become law and that'll that'll it's worth a try that will change the game but the the, the jackling the idea that you know you've got a guy who's two inches off the ground uh, he's got his hands on the ball the only way you can get rid of him is almost bash your head against Mm. his is totally wrong and yesterday they were talking about wayne Barnes was saying that we've got to bring up the height of it for a start but also maybe revert to the old rules if 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 the jackler comes in before the ruck is formed he can stick his hands on there forever the old rules under the old rules when the ruck was formed he had to let go so the ref says ruck he's got to let go now that is one possibility it'd only be get you halfway there but listen there's more power to these people in this symposium 
Belgium this week because the game is off track and we need to get it back. Well, we'll get them. Hopefully, well, Robbie will be tuning in. They haven't actually sent us the list of people who are on this symposium. I hope it's not a bunch of completely self-interested halfwits from the Southern Hemisphere. Six nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Ruck Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Funding Circle and Saracens, British and Irish Lions and England hooker Jamie George is with me to explain how Funding Circle are supporting small and medium-sized UK businesses because Jamie, you, as well as being a rugby player, are also a small business owner. Yeah, I own a business with uh, a good school friend of mine, Reese Carter. It's called Carter and George. We're a physiotherapy business. Uh, we've been up and running for about six years now and sort of our strap line is delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. If you're looking to improve different parts of your business or hire talent with extra know-how, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Jamie, you want to do the sign-off for us? Absolutely. Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how I'm growing my business backed by Funding Circle. So this weekend, the matches that are on, Six Nations matches that are on, with England against Wales at Twickenham, start there. I don't think Jack Maunder is going to make that 23, despite his his return to the the training squad. What do we think will unfold at, at Twickenham? How much did we see of England in their winning against Ireland that, that makes makes you your confident? I thought Wales were probably three out of ten chance um, before Saturday, without bigger, and don't yeah. care what everybody says, he is absolute heart and soul player in that team. I don't care if he spends the whole 80 minutes shouting at the ref. He's a, he's a tremendous player, and I think that they will miss him dearly, because considering they haven't got the second team, this backup uh, either with Anscombe, but you know, just, just so looking at both teams, you know, we must never forget how brutal the game is, because there are so many players who would be playing who are not, who are not going to be out there. Uh, I think England have only got to show just a little bit of that drive and energy and power they showed against uh, against Ireland and maybe a little bit more sustained t- to win that game. I just don't see that Wales are, are going to be OK. They've got props coming through now, but I don't see Wales holding them up front. I don't see the with the with the out the influence of bigger. I think they will struggle. And I think that England could could win by two scores, maybe more. I think England will win convincingly. I, I think the England scrum will strengthen again. Mako being in Tonga helps them in that set piece. I think, as Steve says, there was plenty of power to their game. If they add some pace as well, I think Wales are going to be playing going backwards. And this is when you get to the, the, the point that Wales still 
Defensively, it's no surprise they are not the same unit they were when they had Edwards as their coach and they had Jonathan Davis running the show. Wales look vulnerable where England can be strong. I just sense this is the game where England might actually put in the performance that it sounded like they they put in against Ireland, but when I watched it again, I thought, well, they were halfway there, Mm. but not the whole way. I think this will be a big one. I agree, England all the way. I think... Wales, if Dan Bigger doesn't play, that's a major blow. I mean, that's what Bigger is to Wales. He's just incredible. He does everything. And as you alluded to, Jonathan Davis is a massive, massive, you know, missing in that that back line. They're just not firing without him, defence or attack. And I think also we'll be better than them at contesting that high ball out on the wings. I thought nobody really picked up on it. I mentioned it to Jonesy, and I think you mentioned it in your match report as well, Steve. The try that they conceded against France when too many teams were obstructing now. Halfpenny goes for the high ball. In the old days, um, Adams would have just hung back in case he didn't get it, but he's too interested trying to obstruct people and leaves the Absolutely, door open yeah. for them to run through yeah. and score. Actually, there were three people rushed up and stood in front of their exactly, catcher and yeah. there was no one behind. Whereas normally somebody would think, what if he doesn't win this ball? And yeah. you, know, you, leave, you leave nobody at home for them to run in and score. And I think if, if they play like that out wide, England will destroy them yeah. on the wings. I, I, and I think, yeah, as you say, we'll overpower them up front. But it's, I still got a slightly empty feeling because I felt England had to win the Grand Slam this year. They had, they had to. You don't, may not I think the Grand Slam's much. It is. You ask people who are marketed in, you ask kids and whatnot. And I really think they ought to be definitive this time. You know, because at the moment, England have given one definitive performance in the Eddie Jones era. It's about time they gave a second. And uh, look look forward. I think the back row is wrong. I think the reserve scrum half is, is wrong. Uh, but I think they got enough there. I mean, to- Courtney Law's on great form. George Cruz is on great form. Marrow is on. Marrow is Marrow. I'd be really yeah. interested to see if um, Carl Sinclair can get a real edge on the tight head because Wales front row is just... Uh, the next Wales front row is all in place but is not ready yet. And Wales do not have a front row, A, with the scrummaging power or B, with the authority around the field. England's weakness has so often been Ben Youngs and the half-backs and Farrell when things aren't going. They're on the back foot. They lose. There's no, there's no alternative to the game plan. But if they're going forward, they don't have to worry. And that's when England are always at their best when they're going forward. So I think Steve's right. I think they dominate in the scrum. If they do that, they will be winning the penalties. They will be dictating the momentum. And the other thing that, you know, you and I, Jonesy, for three years we were saying, what's happened to a catch and drive from close range? Well, going into the World Cup, England suddenly started to be a team who were very good at it. And you look at the Welsh line out, it's vulnerable. And and Courtney Law's playing at six. It's not just oh, let's get myself another second row in the back in in the pack. Let's upset a few journalists. England now a a banking excellent forwards there, and they're giving people like Cowan Dickey to come on that opportunity to play those tight driving things. And England have got very good at them in a very short time. I think Cowan Dickey, Steve has scored six tries in his last twelve games, which is an astonishing feat. And I think they're probably all. Close range catch and drives. Yeah, and um, England will have Anthony Watson back involved this week. He's he's fit again. He's he's named as a as a fully fledged member of of the training squad at least. I and, think and, Mac- and Mako's back from Tonga. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is he? Uh, yeah, which yeah. Eddie didn't think he would be available. He's named in the squad, so that gives an interesting selection on, on the loose head because leave him out. I was going to say it's pretty gone, hard to drop Marler and Genge. He's gone to Tonga. Fair enough, but. 
there were reasons why he's won. <clears throat> England, Marla did a hell of a job on Furlong, I felt. And then Genj comes on and finishes it off. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I see no reason for this game against Wales when England will want to be aggressive in the scrum. I'd leave him out. I'd, I'd play him, but you... pr- probably not starting. I'm really interested in the debate about Edis Genj as well, because I think it's 50 50, thinking he's the next great Lucid prop of all time, and uh, the other 50 thinking not quite what it all appears. Mm. Uh, so that's interesting as well, but I would definitely bring Mako in. Uh, into the squad and probably I think Joe Marler Stewart says doesn't deserve to be dropped does not deserve to be and dropped he, that means he has to start Joe Marler can't really come on as no a, as sure as an impact player starter no, no sure, sure. There, there's been a lot of talk that Luke Gowan-Dickey may well have started uh, a couple of these games this championship if, if if it wasn't for family reasons taking him out of the camp so he's he, he's pretty close to um, to dislodging Jamie George I think I, I, I would disagree with that I, I, so I'm not saying he's not I'm sure you're right I think Jamie George is, is just b- b- had a sensational run of form I think he's the world best hooker at the end of the World Cup I think Cowan Dickey's a great player and it's great to have them driving each other on but I don't think Jamie George has done anything to deserve not, not starting plus throwing into the line out to his yeah. teammates you mm. know Cruz, yeah. Cruz and Itoji have you got I, any more theories like that, Arthur? <laughs> <laughs> but that, 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 that goes back to the catch and drive, Nigel. Yeah, because cool. yeah. Yeah. Cow and Dickey is one of... Exeter is the epicentre of the yeah. catch and drive in England, probably world rugby. And Cow and Dickey is probably at the epicentre of, Ex, of Exeter's catch and drive. He's worth a try every two games for England. Cow and Dickey, it, 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 by the way, is, is having a fantastic run. Yeah, he he is. really is. Mm-hmm. It's so nice to see a lad who's promising... Coming through and, and really fulfilling the promise, you know. Well, it's nice to think we've got two players who, if you look at us in here, you'd be happy if either of them started, you know. And the same with Mako. You know, I think what Mako offers differently, Sinclair is great carrier and he's great standing in that 10 12 channel and giving those little mm. tip passes and he cuts back against the grain. And likewise, you know, Mako is one of the best handlers in the pack. I wish Billy was as good at passing as Mako. You, just you know, he does whether... those. All I worry about with Macon now is that he's done the work when he's been out there. You know, he's done he's done yeah. the work when he's been seeing his Yeah, that's relations. a good point, yeah. You know. And the other thing is, he's probably the weakest of the three scrummages. And how many times are we going to see games where things go wrong and you're going, blimey, it's a reminder, isn't it? You've got to get your basics right. You've got to have forwards who can jump and front rowers who can scrum. And he's not the best. So the, the other game this weekend, Scotland-France... I think you said last week that this this was France's biggest hurdle between now and, and then winning the Grand Slam. Yeah, yeah. Coronavirus aside, yeah. Um, why why is why is a visit to Morrifield so treacherous for them? Well, it, it's I wouldn't call it treacherous, but the thing is, it's Scotland. If Scotland don't win this, you're in the realms of total embarrassment, aren't you, Alex? Scotland have got well, to win this game. Did you expect them to win more games than than just Italy? Well, no, they did though. No, Scotland expected to win to, to, to win more games and to be better. And they also, because they've had so many problems there, you know, look, let me just put it this way. If Scotland don't come out raging like raging bulls, well, there's something really wrong mm. with, the, with the hearts of the people. And, you know, I think, I think France are, are far more likely to fall over when you don't expect them to at Murrayfield than they are at home going for a Grand Slam in Paris. That's, that's all I'm saying. I'd turn it the other way. I think Ireland aren't very good and Ireland don't have a hope in hell in Paris. And France just might think, 
it's Murrayfield. We might get one of those howling, horrible days again. It's possible. I agree with Steve. But I think one of the reasons it's the biggest stumbling block isn't because Scotland might produce something brilliant. It's because Ireland aren't going to produce much at all if the game goes ahead. So if if, if this is a must-win for Scotland, and by all accounts, Finn Russell and Gregor Townsend have now made up, should he come straight back in the Scotland team? It sounds like he's not going to feature at all. But if if it's if the result is of that importance, would you not bring Russell back? It's a tough one, not knowing exactly what's happened and what conversations have taken place. I mean, obviously, he's their best number 10. Um, I wouldn't like to comment without knowing the conversation that Townsend's had with him. But, I, I, uh, I you would. Know, they've missed him. They've <laughs> missed him desperately. They've it depends what effect you'd have on team morale. But, you, you know, you probably, if you ask the other 14 players, it'd be tough on Hastings. The other 14 players would probably want Russell in the side. And also, it would be a triumph for the man who had the guts to speak out. Yeah, good the, point. These players have become such shrinking violets. They sit there agreeing with everyone any, every, anyone says. He spoke out and good luck to him. And I bring him back this week as captain. And did Hastings not have a, have a poor game against Italy? I mean, does that come into the into the conversation? He's not as he's not as good as Russell at the moment. He's not a bad player. He's young and he's developing. But Russell is a different class. The other thing we should remember is Finn Russell plays in France. He'll know these players yeah. twice as well as anyone exactly. in the Scottish jersey. Now there's the flip side, which the French will all know Finn Russell. But you know, it's quite a few uh, from the, the teammates from Racing there. He he will have insights that Greg Townsend can't even have. Isn't it nice, though, that we're really looking forward to watching France play again? Yes. You know, oh, we really are looking mm, forward to definitely. it. I, I'm looking forward. I can't, I can't wait. And, um, OK, they may always plunge back into the outer darkness where they've been, but I just think they're probably better than that now, and men- mentally they're better. And I don't think Sean Edwards will let them be the old wasteful France. So I'm really looking forward to it. I hope it's a nice day. I think, uh, I agree, James. I think we've had a lot of those of us who've dealt with Eddie Jones and, and the narratives he's trying to create and the and the verbiage and, and, and all that, actually we're looking forward to watching France play, not because someone's artificially hyping up no. a game, yeah. but because they've got a new generation who are who are a thrilling prospect Absolutely. to watch every week. Especially at half-back, absolutely. Josie, you want to talk about the death of the A game at yeah. international level? J- just very, very briefly, um, younger listeners may not re- remember this, but uh, I think they, they think it was not that long ago. There used to be an A Six Nations, A, yeah. a Second Team, Second Team, and it was a genuine Second Team. They didn't say, "Oh, mm. we've bought 14, 14 year olds in the team." They made it the Second Team. So, like when say Brian Moore was was capped, it was playing for England. Graham Dorr, who was pushing him all away, would be the A Team uh, hooker. Now he used to have great. D- Days at Donnybrook on Friday evening, or Friday afternoon, actually, which was great for people who came over there. Jean Bouin, France, would play England in the morning of the game. Wherever the game was, they didn't have it in at the outer limits and North Wales, North Wales Hollyhead and all that sort of thing. They had it where the main game was so everyone yeah. could watch and everyone could see the next generation. And so you could see, say, people like Dan Robson, uh, uh, Alex Dombrandt, all these people who were bubbling under, they could come and play in a proper game. And you could tell so much from those A games that it, it wasn't true. And I'm not inflicting more games on the players, but they should have the Six Nations off. Everyone's available for England and they should have A games. And if they can't sell those, well, they ought to be shot anyway. I, I captained an England A team that, that won a Grand Slam. I was the old lag who had to prove that I wanted it enough having quit England, but... We had behind the scrum Ian Hunter, uh, Tony Underwood, we had Neil Back, and I could see as a, as a bit of an old git 
how much talent there was. And all of these players, they all said the same thing. Coming away from their club environment and, and mixing with a different type. Jack Rowe was coach uh, and the international setup made such a difference. And uh, it, it was, I mean, it was a fantastic trip, by the way, because it, it was like a grand tour. We played in Madrid against Spain. We, we played Jean Bouin on the morning of a game against France. Wonderfully violent. I think probably five or six of that team went on to be eminent Lions, let alone England internationals. It was very, very handy. I went over to, to Ireland January. I'm just looking at it here. January 2015 for the Irish Wolfhounds against England Saxons. Sam which, Burgess. Which, which is memorable for, for a couple of things. One was Sam Burgess passed straight into the stand. Uh, one was Henry Slade just uh, regal in, in the bat line, just sensational. And this kid, Mario Toji, coming off the bench and dominate. He came on for an injury after about 15 minutes and just dominated from the start. And it was one of those moments when you see a kid step up and you think, my goodness, he's you know he's got it. But the the, the team, I mean, that team was, you know, Sean O'Brien was playing that day. Chris Ashton, Elliot Daly, Sam Burgess, Henry Slade, Dave Ewers, Matt Cavestich. I mean, it was it was a strong England Saxons team. And uh, but yeah, sadly, the the main memory is is Sam Burgess passing it straight into the touch, in not even just into touch, but straight into the stand. Alex, another stipulation was that it would be that you ban all stupid marketing labels. England A. Irish Wolfhounds, England A, Ireland A, France A, Wales A, Italy A. So we know exactly where we stand. Uh, Josie, you were at, we should talk about the games that have just been, um, yeah. a rare chance in a Six Nations to actually talk about the, the Premiership. Yeah. You were at the Stoop on Saturday? got quality of the match were absolutely excellent. Uh, Quinns, uh, they've got some hulking big brutes up there, you know, and uh, they really had a go at Exeter up front. They really had a go at them. Scrum, contact phases and all that sort of stuff. Quinns have got quite a few players. Out. Obviously, Exeter had hundreds out, but Quinns have two. And I thought their attitude was brilliant. They're not, they're not fighting for anything. They're not trying to avoid relegation or anything like that. They're just trying to get themselves up the table. It was a tremendous game. Uh, there was skill. I mean, I've, I've written on Twitter the other day, the the two fly halves, Simmons and Smith, absolutely yeah. delightful. Joe Simmons, frankly, to me, looked like an international player from, from head to toe. I, I thought he played brilliantly, as did his brother Sam in the back row. Uh, Smith, a fly half of Queens also. But it was the Queens attitude I, I really loved. Now, there was a massive controversy at the end in which um, what what happened was, by completely the wrong means, we got the right result. Yeah. Wayne Barnes was yesterday on TV saying, Look, the referee got it wrong and he tried to get it right again and he inflicted another wrong. But in the end, I suppose you could say the better team won. Uh, it was a gracious occasion, a great crowd, and it restored some of your faith, perhaps not in all the refereeing, but it restored your faith in the league. It was great. Really important occasion at King's Home on Friday night. Sale winning and looking every every bit of top four team. Yeah, no, sale going really well. And uh, we were talking about him earlier, but interesting to see Marlon Yard scoring a good try as well. Gloucester, very disappointed at the moment. They're playing, we're in the middle of some horrible stormy weather and they're trying to play rugby as if it's 25 degrees, a beautiful day and calm, playing in the wrong parts of the field, they're making terrible errors. This is Gloucester from two, three, four years ago, Steve, when they were... Score a great try and then just blow it. They they seem to have lost the plot a bit at the moment. They're trying to force the game. Northampton well, lost. Well, Nigeria at Northampton. Yeah, I was at Northampton. I mean, they've been bitterly disappointed. Yeah, they were twelve nil up. Two tries in the first six minutes, 
and then turned round with, you know, Storm Jorge behind them. They had it in the first half, yet they turned round only 15-8 in front, then a couple of yellow cards. Of course, Dan Bigger hit them hard. Harry Malinder looked really good. But again, having to try just to do a bit too much to force it. And Saris took control and, you know, line out, catch and drives. And Wigglesworth looked really good. Ben Earl scored a great try. You know, Eddie Jones would have loved his pace for a back row forward. He intercepted. Um, Rynax had a great season for Northampton, but he picked, read it well, picked off a pass from him, intercepted, ran in from about 65 metres. Yeah, Northampton would be very, very disappointed to have let that one slip away, especially their position in the table. The good thing for me about uh, Alex about the sale is that for a long time this season it's looked like that Exeter are going to walk to the to the number one position. Will then walk through the semi-finals and the final. Now, to me on Friday, Sale looked like they'd arrived as a real contender. And I think that there's there's no one team in the division who would not fall flat on their faces if they played uh, Exeter in the final. I thought they were terrific. And Will Cliff at scrum half may not be their first choice, but my goodness, he played well. And they looked like the coming the coming team. Northampton and Gloucester going going through the into the basement at the moment, but Sale are coming together. Will Cliff excellent and the twenty nine forwards they got called Dupree's were all were all good as well. You mentioned Molyneux Yard scoring for sale. They've just announced this morning, just before we came into the studio, that Chris Ashton has left the club with immediate effect. We haven't had a, a chance yet to to dig around and, and try and find out what it is, but immediately the theories are, are whizzing around whether it's salary cap management, whether there's a fallout at, between him and, and Sale, whether it's injury related. There's talk of, of Harlequins being a potential destination. None of this is, is confirmed as yet, but it, it's another mid-season move, which we're seeing more and more of now, and it's just caught everyone by surprise a bit. Steve Diamond, is a, he's a good coach, he, he's a volatile man, and, and Chris Ashton is a fine winger, uh, and he's a little bit erratic at times as well. So it's Sale have a lot of good wingers. They have a lot of good wingers, and if Ashton is on a decent turn, then... The fact that the wage capping wouldn't wouldn't be the worst theory. Mm. I, I, I just think that Chris Ashton, um, he always he's always found ways not to get on. He's always uh, committed an offence before before he you know he, he'd get a great run of form, then he'd do something silly on the field or maybe off the field. But uh, I just think when he had a run of run of, run of games, ten games. And got some ball in the sands. I just thought he was a really wonderful player, and I thought he'd come on as an all rounder as well. I mean, you wouldn't probably not play him fullback, but he could kick and, and all that. He played some great rugby for Saracen. So I just think it'd be very sad if Chris continues buzzing around here and there, but never really fulfills himself. He's a great player. Jones's moans time. I've got did, one did this week. One? I, 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 when I'm working at a, at a game, I find it very difficult when you get ear splitting what you might call transatlantic or mid-Atlantic rock music blasting into your ears. Then you get a bloke on a microphone roaring and ranting. And, for instance, at Twickenham, very kindly, the bloke at Twickenham on the microphone says, please give a a, a welcome, your England team. Well, no one had ever thought of applauding (laughs) when England took the field at Twickenham. They said, oh, blimey, all right, we've got to clap. Now... Some of the screeches are terrible. I mean, there was one in South Africa last year. It was awful. I know they're well-meaning. But Harlequins on Saturday, we had a man who I would not put in the screeching category. He was measured. He had the odd screechy moment. He got the halftime game going rather well. 
he got all the names, most of the pronunciations right of the team. I don't know what his name is, but I would say he's on the right lines. Probably needs to calm down a bit. <laughs> but um, he's on the right lines, and he could well, if he's going to be promoted... To International? T- no. He could be promoted to White Hart Lane. <laughs> if he carries on. Some may call that a demotion. And apparently his twin brother is in the studio as our producer. And it's funny because he's got the same name. Come on, you quiz! <laughs> Mr. Mike, hang on, Mr. Mike Boville was the Harlequins ranter and he did okay. He did, did not. He did not make us go deaf. Is it your God of the Week then? Jonesy? I wouldn't go that far, son. <laughs> <laughs> Who is? Well, God of the Week, hang on. Uh, Shall I start then? Call yep. Jonesy out, I like that. Well done, Alex. <laughs> um, my God of the Week, I'm staying on the Harlequins theme. There's been a big Harlequins loving this week, so I'm going to just drop the other side of uh, the equator, though, and I'm going to go to Joe Marchant, former Harlequins, is playing for the Blues. The Blues were outstanding. They right. beat the, They beat the Stormers. Southern Hemisphere commentators, Southern Hemisphere players are going, blimey, some of these youngsters from the Northern Hemisphere can play. Joe Marchand is settling very well into life in Auckland. He is my blue god of the week. The reason why they call it the Southern Hemisphere, by the way, is this, it's below the equator. Well, yeah, but That's why they call it the Southern <laughs> Hemisphere. No, technically, though, Steve, not all of South Africa is. A geography <laughs> lesson from the ruck. Thank you, Steve. It is. I take it all back. Mike <laughs> Beauville will take all of that out. Is it all? Yes. Well, hang on. Yeah. Plane to Durban, it takes quite a long time. Well, I know it takes a long time to get to, it takes a long time to get to Vancouver, but that's not south of the equator. Oh, right, OK. I might have gone for whoever had the great idea of handing out the free rugby balls at uh, Northampton, but I am going to allow a bit of bias to creep in. You all know I coach Tamizian's ladies, and my mm. goddess of the week is Amelia Arboin, who is the captain of Tamizian's ladies. She's leading try scorer. She does a brilliant job of getting a team out on the pitch every week in our first league season. As I say, she's the leading try scorer. She scores worldies every week, running them in from our own 22. She tackles everything that moves. And next weekend, she is off to San Diego. She's been selected to, for the Jamaican Seven squad and she's out for training in San Diego. So Amelia Arboin is my goddess of the week. That's, that's, a, goddess. Goddess. Yes. that's a good like one. That. Sounds like you need a bit more structure in your game plan if she's scoring from the 22. It's, be- not... it's because we're tiny and we play <laughs> massive teams and we I spend the whole game pinned down. But, uh, yeah, we score world, as you have that's to come and watch us, Alex. Good luck, Josie. What's... I can't compete with that, but I was going to say someone like... Dan Robson, I thought, was superb on the weekend. And Alex Dombrandt, I thought, was superb. The only trouble is, whenever you mention someone who's not in the England squad, they get further away from the England squad. So you shouldn't get many publicity. <laughs> Having said that, I just think Marcus Smith and Joe, uh, Joe Simmons, just regal. Uh, and Joe Simmons, uh, I thought, really startlingly good. So he would be my god of the week. Uh, I think, don't I agree that... Marchant and uh, Nigel, what's, what's your Emilia Arboin. Nigel, uh, Marchant and Emilia, um, one's going to Jamaica and one was in the Northern Hemisphere in Durban. Um, <laughs> uh, I think they're good as well. So it's up to you, Alex. Uh, I think uh, I was taken with Joe Marchant because I think he's been playing very well, but you can't look beyond no. Emilia Arboin no. from Tunisians. Emilia, uh, well done, Meals. So congratulations. Well done, Meals. Excellent. Right. Uh, so I think that wraps up one of the newsiest rucks we've. Probably had. Thank you all for listening. 
please subscribe and uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the, the two Six Nations games that have happened and whatever else emerges in the world of rugby. Thanks for listening to the Ruck Podcast. We're delighted to be teaming up with Funding Circle and Funding Circle Ambassador Jamie George is with me. All right, Jamie? Hello. Hello. How are you? All good. Good, good. So away from Saracens and England duty, you are a business owner and Funding Circle is a huge supporter of small and medium sized UK businesses. How have they helped you? Yeah, so uh, I've got a business with a friend of mine. It's a physiotherapy business, effectively delivering the same level of care I get as a professional sportsman to the general public. And we've been looking to expand and grow the business as quickly as we can. And with the financial products that Funding Circle have done, we wouldn't have been able to do it without them. So Funding Circle has been supporting small businesses with access to the finance they need to grow since 2010. And they know that like rugby, running a business takes hard work, drive and a good team supporting you. If you want to invest in your business and take your team to the next level, Funding Circle provides finance that backs you and your business to succeed. Visit FundingCircle.com to find out how Jamie is growing his business backed by Funding Circle. Jamie, can you do the honours? Funding Circle, business finance that backs you. Six nations and six amazing chances to win an unforgettable adventure for you and five mates in a Six Nations European host city of your choice. To take part, enter online now at greenking.co.uk slash rugby. Six nations, six mates and six international rugby getaways worth £3,000. Scrum down and sign up to win at greenking.co.uk slash rugby and watch all the Six Nations action live at your local Green King pub. Terms and conditions apply. 18 plus drinkaware.co.uk Okay.